Dear God and Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you sent your Son to live a perfect life, die a sacrificial death, but raise victorious to live an indestructible life that he now stands before you as a king and he mediates our case that we can stand before you as sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, thank you through your Son that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart can be acceptable in your sight. God, help your word to speak to our hearts today. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So we have here today a vitally important transition passage connecting these ideas of a greater priesthood found in Jesus and this greater covenant which introduces the central theme of atonement that we'll be building toward over the next few weeks. Um, we will focus today on this idea that since Jesus is our great high priest, we now have a greater mediator of this covenant that, that we will look at more deeply next week. So I think if we're going to fully grasp the fullness of this passage, though, we have to ask ourselves a couple questions. So feel free to interact. If you have an answer, just you know, shout it out and we'll kind of talk through it. Um, so what was the purpose of a priest? To mediate, right. The Le Levitical priests provided the people with access to God through sacrifice and prayer. They mediated before God on behalf of the people. And so what was the difference between a priest and a high priest? A priest would offer sacrifices. They offer sacrifices daily. But the high priest was the only one who could go to the Holy of Holies and stand before God on the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifice for himself and people before a holy and righteous God. What is a mediator? We said a priest was someone who was to mediate between God and the people. What does a mediator do? A mediator is a legal term. It's someone, it refers to someone who is an arbiter or an intermediary, especially in disputes, or in the making of a legal agreement, such as a covenant. So it was someone who would argue on behalf of one side to the other side and back and forth. We might think of the word ambassador, um, this isn't exactly the terms, and it gets kind of lost in what this means, but just as a frame of reference, maybe somewhat of a lawyer in our mind, someone who argues your case on behalf of someone else. And so, especially in the terms of a legal agreement or a covenant, they're vital in the process of making of a covenant or a pact or a treaty. So the main point 
that I want us to see here is with Jesus as our great high priest, Christians, we have a mediator who is willing and able to provide and guarantee access to God the Father. See, he's not just willing, but he's able to provide and guarantee access to God the Father. Jesus, once and for all, perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross, provides and guarantees Christians eternal access to God. In this passage, nuanced within there, I think we see Jesus, our great high priest, and we see him as this mediator. First, we see Jesus, our great high priest, as our ordained mediator. If you look in verse number 20, chapter 7, and it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. We see here in verse 21 this direct quote again from Psalm 110. Psalm 110 and verse number 4, The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The author of Hebrews, under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is making the point that Jesus was ordained by God with an oath to be our great high priest and mediator, not on the basis of genealogy or ritual purity, like the Levitical priesthood, but on the basis of a sinless, of sinless perfection and an indestructible life. And in verse number 22, it's kind of this exclamation point of, this makes Jesus the guarantee, guarantor of a better covenant. See, Jesus not only mediates the covenant, but he guarantees this better covenant. Jesus is not only essential to the making of the covenant, he is essential to the keeping of this better covenant. Jesus is our surety and our security. He will hold us fast. Not only is Jesus our ordained minister, we see that Jesus is our eternal mediator. Verse 23 the former priests, who were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him. Do you hear that? We have access to God through Jesus. 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christian, right now, this moment, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for every believer. Let that sink in, that Jesus is praying for you. He lives to make intercession for you. So he points out this contrast in this former priesthood to Jesus. Um, Aaron, what, ha- what happened to Aaron? He died. So there, he died. There was no less than 83 high priests mentioned from the time. Possibly more, but conservative estimates say 83 high priests. Each one of them died. And at the end, there was this mourning period. This, if you think about it, like if you've ever had a pastor or some religious mentor who has died, and you just feel the loss of that, they would have felt the loss of this high priest who died, who had daily offered atonement for sin on their behalf and the half of themselves. They died. But Jesus defeated death, and will never die. So we can sing as the great hymn that we sang earlier with confidence. We know that before the throne of God above, we have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. So we don't have a mediator who is going to die And then we're going to have to pick up and have this other mediator rise up that go before God. We have a mediator who defeated death, who lives to plead for us. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Revelation 21, 5-7 And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy 
and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This eternal mediator from before the foundation of the world to the judgment, we as Christians have an eternal mediator who lives to plead for us. Jesus, our great high priest, is also our sinless mediator. In verse 26, For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest. Hear the crescendo there. Christian, he is ours, and he is willing and able. He is our high priest, who is willing and able? Let's hear how he is able. We have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Holy, speaking of his personal holiness, he is a perfect fulfillment of all that God is and all that He requires. Innocent. He is blameless before others and without deception. Unstained. He's uncontaminated by sin. Separated from sinners. That's this idea of being in the world but not of the world. He came to seek and to save the lost, but in being with the lost, He only purified. He did not take on sin in any way. He separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, alluding to His position that we'll get to later on in the passage. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for His own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus had no need to offer sacrifices for himself because he was holy, innocent, unstained, and separated from sinners. Those other high priests had to offer sacrifices daily, first for themselves and then for the people. Jesus had no need to offer sacrifice for himself. He had no need to continue to offer sacrifices because He was and will forever be the perfect sacrifice, once and for all. John Piper writes very eloquently, This is a great word in the Greek, once for all. The fact it has is to make Jesus the center of history. Every work of God's grace in history before the sacrifice of Christ, look forward to the death of Christ for its foundation. In every work of God's grace since the sacrifice of Christ, look back, looks back to the death of Christ for its foundation. Christ is the center of the history of grace. There is no grace without Him. Grace was planned from all eternity, but not without Jesus Christ at the center and his death as the foundation. Remember back a few weeks to Hebrews 4, 
verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been as tempted as we are, yet without sin. He is our sinless mediator. And then it goes on to say, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can have every confidence to go before God because we have a sinless Savior who ever lives to plead for us. Not only is Jesus our sinless mediator, He's also our perfect mediator. So Jesus, our great high priest, is our perfect mediator. In verse 28, it says, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest, but the word of the oath which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Sometimes we get, in my mind, sinless and perfect are kind of one and the same thing, and they, they do have, they do go together. But don't miss the nuance here. Not only was Jesus completely without sin, but everything he has done has been perfect always and always pleasing to God the Father. This is in Matthew 3.17 when, when God is speaking and he says, Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We have a perfect mediator that everything he does is always pleasing to the Father. Jesus, our great high priest, is also our kingly mediator. In chapter 8, verse number 1, he says, now the point of what we are saying is this. He says, so, this chapter 7, all of this about this priestly order and Aaron's line, the Levitical priesthood, Melchizedek, in case maybe you've lost your, your place and aren't for sure what we're talking about anymore, he says, you know, the the point of what we're saying is this. He says it again, like in verse 26. We have such a high priest. Hear the crescendo again. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. See, the author moves from talking about Jesus' character of such a high priest in verse 26 to his position one who is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's, it's awe-inspiring to me that he uses this word majesty. He could have said the throne of God and you know we would have got the picture, but he uses this word of majesty to describe God. And when I think of majesty, a lot of times I think of mountains and bigness and how psalm says that even the mountains melt before god and he says that our mediator our great high priest sits at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven verse number two a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the lord set up not man For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Note, these high priests 
It says they had to offer gifts, sacrifices, multiple, continuous. Thus it is necessary for this priest, Jesus, to have something to offer. He doesn't have some things to offer. He has something to offer. And what what did he offer? He offered himself once and for all as a perfect sacrifice. Verse number four. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. See, remember, Jesus was not of the tribe of Levi. So if he's on earth, he has, he has no right to be a priest. He's of the tribe of Judah. When the people in Jerusalem came to usher him in, they weren't ushering him in as the next great high priest. They were, they were ushering him in as the Messiah, the king, the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, these priests, these earthly priests, verse number 5, it says, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. See, these priests, God had shown them, shown Moses a glimpse of who he was, and they had copied this. That's the beauty when you read through uh, the last half of Exodus all the way through most of Leviticus. I don't know, for most of my life, I thought, man, this is like the most boring section of Scripture. Like, how am I always going to get through it? But reading it through the lens of the New Testament over the past few years has really changed. That's the beauty of it. All of these rules about what you have to do, how you have to sacrifice, what the temple need to look like, was all a copy and a type, a shadow of the true high priest in Jesus who doesn't minister to us as a priest here on earth, but ministers to us before the throne of God at the right hand of the majesty. See, these copies and shadows, they weren't bad things. They're good. If you think about it um, as a practical illustration, think about it as art. If you're going to buy a piece of art and you're going to spend a lot of money, do you want to buy a real genuine piece of art or do you want to buy the copy of that art. They, they look similar, and the co- probably most of us aren't going to know whether it's the copy or the real thing, but if you're going to spend money on it, you want to buy the real thing. Um, when you talk to someone you love, would you rather talk to them in person, or would you rather talk to them over FaceTime or the telephone? FaceTime, you see a picture of that person, but it's not the real person. You don't have that interaction with them. When you buy your favorite snack food at the store, there's a lot of generic brands that are good, and they might be almost there, but I guarantee you that of everyone's favorite snack food or junk food, that real name brand is slightly better than what the generic brand is. The generic brand may be not bad, but that real thing is what has you. And so that's what he's saying here. These priests, they were good, and they were meant to show us something. They were meant to point us to our kingly mediator who stands at the right hand of God making intercession for us. 
we have a mediator in Jesus who mediates for us as a king at the right hand of the throne of majesty. He doesn't have to plead with God on our behalf. We've used this word plead for us, and I think we maybe misunderstand the meaning for it. He doesn't plead with God on behalf of us like a lawyer before a judge begging God to forgive us. He sits as a king and a son and his once and for all sacrifice of his sinless and indestructible life speaks a better word over us. God looks at his son and is well pleased. And so when he sees us, he sees us as Christians, as sons and daughters through the work that Jesus did. And lastly, Jesus, our great high priest, is our effective mediator. In verse 6, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. So he uses these phrases, much more excellent, is better, better promises. That's not to say that the old covenant or the old promises were bad or that the ministry of the priests wasn't good, but all of these things are better. He is our effective mediator. As we said earlier, the priests had to continually offer sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 15 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of he a heifer sanctify for the pur purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. See, he is effective mediator. Those priests had to continually and continually and continually offer sacrifices. And you know how much sin those sacrifices forgave? Zero. None. But God accepted those sacrifices as a type and picture of who Jesus is and who Jesus would come and die a perfect death, live a sinless life, die a perfect death, and raise victoriously with his indestructible life. See, the work of the cross that was once and for all has abiding significance. We have a great high priest who is willing and able to effectively provide 
not just access to God the Father, but meaningful and personal access to God the Father. With Jesus as our great high priest, Christian, we now have a mediator who is willing and able to provide and guarantee access to God the Father. Therefore, we can have assurance of salvation and true and unshakable hope. And we can with confidence say with Paul in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the light, love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can with confidence sing hymns like His oath, His covenant, His blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Christian, we have a great high priest who is willing and able to save to the uttermost all those who believe. So if you've believed in him, rejoice. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, thank you for sending your Son. Jesus, thank you for dying a sacrificial death on our behalf. Thank you for mediating us from before the foundation of the world, and that you promise that you will continue to intercede for us until you come to take us home. Thank you for working out our salvation. Thank you that there is nothing we can do that will make us right with you or make us better